Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Good morning. Everybody good? Let's see, I grab this puppy. I'd like to ask you guys to please stand with me as we pray. All right, join me in this prayer. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will forever be. Blessed are the reader, hearers, and keeper of this word. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 13 says, and you may be seated if you like, or you can stand as I read it. Then I saw an angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. The second angel followed and said, fall in. Fallen is Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. The third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented and burning. With, I'm sorry. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep His commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Thank you all for standing with me as we prayed and for uh, listening as read the scripture we're talking about this morning. Um, good morning again, Grace and Mercy Church. My name is Tyrone McMorris, and all of you in this room know me. Um, but for those of you <laughs> who, uh, who are listening, I was here last week. And so if you listened to last week, you'll hear my introduction. Uh, I'm with you again because uh, Scott, and Pastor Scott and Mo and the Mitchell kids were away on vacation. And uh, I enjoy spending time with you guys on Sundays. Uh, because you make me and my family feel welcome, which my family's here this week. You guys were asking about them last week. Um, you guys are laid back, which I like that, and, and I love worshiping the Lord with you in song. Uh, before we begin to discuss our text this morning, I'd like to you know, remind you, again, of my favorite quote from Samuel Johnson. He said, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And I believe our text in Revelation chapter 14, 6 through 13, is a reminder to us who follow Jesus that God intends to keep his promise to come back for his bride and to bring his judgment on the wickedness um, in the world. So 
so this morning we'll talk about a message from three angels and a voice from heaven it's kind of my title i'm not a big fan of sermon titles but if i had one today that would be my title a message from three angels and a voice from heaven there you go the first angel preached the eternal i mean the everlasting gospel the second angel proclaimed the fall of babylon and the third angel pronounced wrath on the worshipers of the beast. Then there was a, vo a voice from heaven speaking blessing. These messages bring light to believers in the middle of the terror and the lies of the beast. So I mentioned last week, a little bit nervous speaking because you know Scott's been doing a great job in this book of Revelation and to follow after him is kind of nerve-wracking because uh, he's been doing a great job. And it's my first time preaching through Revelation. But as I find through my study and just talking with Scott, I actually get more and more excited to share this word because there's just some great stuff in here, um, which uh, which is really exciting. And so looking forward to looking at it with you this morning. So as we look at the first message, we notice these words. He said it with a loud voice. See, this message that this angel had is important, it's urgent, and it needs to be shared with the masses, the whole world. John says this message was to go to those who live on the earth, said to every nation, tribe, language, and people. See, God wants every human being to hear the gospel. To hear his gospel. God cares so much about everyone that he communicates his gospel in their language, speaks it into their culture, and goes where they live to deliver his message. God's the ultimate missionary. The gospel is everlasting. It's called everlasting because God has been speaking and showing his love for mankind from the beginning of time. He has been ready to save those who place their faith in him for a long time. God is looking for people who place their faith in him alone. The angel's urgent message says, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Those last three statements, the heavens, the earth, and the sea, very commonly used by John through Revelation. See, people are called to fear God, not with the fear of punishment, wrath, hell, and damnation, nor with the distrust for his grace, love, power, and providence. But they're called to fear God and give him glory with a godly fear, which has the goodness of God in mind, and comes with the sense of the love of God and has a reverential affection for him. This fear is accompanied with faith and spiritual joy and includes all worship of God internally in our hearts and externally the way that we act and we treat others and live out our faith. Amen? We fear and worship God alone because he is the creator of this world, of this universe. He created the seas, oceans, springs of water. God even made water, spoken into existence. 
He created man, men and women, then he put his breath in our bodies, which allow us to live. He created us in his image. See, we acknowledge the fact that God alone is supreme and deserves all glory to his name alone. We also fear God out of reverence because he is the only one who can judge mankind. He can determine what we deserve for our actions, our lack of faith, motives, sin, not listening to his message and our pride. See, John's words, the hour of judgment has come, does not refer to the great and last judgment, but it points to Jesus being the ruler of God's kingdom. See, in John chapter 5, verse 22, John writes about this. When Jesus speaks, he, Jesus says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. See, there's coming a time when the kingdoms of this world will be his. The kingdom of this world will have to bow their knee to him and confess that he is Lord. See, the gospel message is a call to mankind to turn their lives to the living God who loves this world and sent his only son to die in order to reconcile us to God. In Jesus, we find new life. Not in idols, not in the, the fear of the beast or the dragon or its mark. We find new life in God, Son, Jesus. See, the second angel's message deals with the fall of Babylon, meaning Rome. See, it says, the angel said, fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. See, this message mirrors the words God spoke to the nation of Israel in Isaiah chapter 21, verse 9, which reads, Look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses, and he gives back the answer. Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of its gods shattered on the ground. See, in this title, Babylon the Great, is from Daniel chapter 4, which pointed out that the king glorified himself. The king of Babylon glorified himself for which he was about to be judged. A couple of commentaries I read pointed out this interest and similarity. Mentioned just as Babylon destroyed the first temple and sent Israel into exile, so Rome came to be called Babylon in some sectors of Judaism because it also destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and exiled Israel. See, John couples these two texts from Isaiah and Daniel together to give his readers in Revelation this message. He wants to point out that the, the adulterous system of the world that they're living in will be destroyed when Jesus returns. The worship of idols, the self-glorification of kings, of politics, the financial systems will all meet their fate when Jesus comes. See, God would judge them for their pride, their self-worship, the mistreatment of people. He will take care of it all. 
Because God's kingdom is holy, righteous, and his son, Jesus, is the rightful ruler. See, God doesn't force people to follow him, but extends grace to us. See, God's cup of wrath will be poured out on the beast, idolatry, pride, the mistreatment of people when Christ returns. And by John writing Babylon twice, shows that God has confirmed this. See, in Genesis 41, Joseph tells Pharaoh that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice because the thing was established by God. So the angel wants to let the people know reading this message that God means what he says. That the system of the beast, the tyranny of the beast, it's going to be over. See, the third angel's message declares God's wrath will be poured out on those who worship the beast and receive its mark. See, this wrath of God is an eternal torment and will be done in the sight of the Lamb, meaning Jesus and his holy angels. There will be no relief from the wrath of God. Night and day, there will be torment. Now, is God trying to scare people into following him? I don't think so. Personally, I don't think God tries to scare me or force others to follow him. He's good, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's kind, and he's loving. He invites us to follow him. We can choose to accept his offer of grace or reject it. John is simply pointing out the end time belief that the wicked will be punished and often by fire. See, God is holy and his kingdom does not allow sin to enter it or be in his presence. He will not allow wickedness to go unpunished. Now, knowing this message is getting a little bit heavy, and this message has been getting a little bit heavy since like chapter 12, and people have been kind of hearing about the dragon, this beast, and eating people and all this kind of stuff. And Mark, it's getting kind of heavy. And I think God kind of hears that. And he knows that, and so he, he moves John to pen this. John says, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. See, this is the second time John writes, this calls for patient endurance. He pens this, he writes these words earlier, um, when he first started mentioning the, the dragon waging war against God's people. Now he writes it after the message of the gospel, Babylon falling and God's executing his judgment. See, the people then, and I think us now, need to walk in patience, patient endurance, because God hasn't come back yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet. We may have to live through some destruction, some terror, persecution, some trials. See, we live in a world that it doesn't acknowledge the one true God. We live in a world where some people don't follow Jesus. Some deny the existence of God. We have to live in a world that values lust, pride, idolatry, looking out for me, money, and selling people. What will keep our eyes on God's promise? What will keep us from being tempted to 
to follow after this system and walk in the world's ways. Keeping God's commandments and being faithful to Jesus will help us. See, we need to walk with Jesus daily in order to stay alert, be filled with the Spirit, be reminded of God's promises, and follow His presence wherever He leads. We don't walk through our life fearing God or doubting His promises. No, we walk in patience knowing He is with us everywhere we go. And He is with us in whatever tough thing we're going through, whatever good thing we're going through. As I mentioned last week, I want God when I'm blessed, not just when I'm down and out. God wants to be with us in every season. Regular time with God is being consistent and spending time with him. This can be reading the Bible, praying, singing songs to him, writing songs, writing in your journal, spending time speaking with other believers. So my question to us this morning is how often do we spend in the presence of God? When tough things happen in our lives, how often do we just go to God first? And then we hear, then came a voice from heaven that said, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, said the spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Again, after just hearing about some tough stuff, God, a voice from heaven comes. Now, John is pretty familiar with this voice because he wrote about hearing this voice two times in the Gospel of John. The first time he heard this voice was after Jesus was baptized. And then the second time he heard it was when he was on the mountain with Jesus and Jesus was transfigured. See, this voice from heaven is God, the Father's voice to us. It encourages us, the readers and the hearers, that anyone who has faith in Jesus does not have to fear death. They are happy. They are blessed. See, they don't have to fear death like the dragon has to or the people who have the mark on their hands and their foreheads. Death, they don't got to fear. See, death was something people wanted to avoid back then. And I would say people today, we try to avoid death too. You know, and we try to make certain that everything is cool when we die. We got that life insurance thing going on and all that kind of stuff. But God speaks right here, awesome life insurance. He reminds us that when a believer dies, they are with the Lord and are at peace with him. We don't have to see torment or God's wrath. We are at peace with God, so we have rest. The martyred believers from the dragon, the people persecuted, for following after Jesus and not receiving the mark, following after the beast, their deaths are blessed. This word translated deeds, as it talks about, the Spirit says, yes, they rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. It refers to our service to the Lord. It follows us as the evidence of us living a life of service to the Lord, God. It isn't 
saying that we work our way into heaven. No, you got to notice what it says. It says their deeds will follow them. It's not their deeds will go before them, follow them. We don't work our way to heaven. No, we are saved by faith through grace in Jesus. The service, the good things that we do in the name of God and for God in his presence is evidence of our faith when we stand before God. So my reminder for us this morning is God in his grace wants the gospel to go out to the world so people can know of his grace, see his light, and have new life in Christ. Yes, Jesus will come back to establish his kingdom on this earth and over this whole world and over the universe and come back for his people to welcome them into his eternal rest. But before that day, we must walk in this world under its systems, remaining faithful to Jesus, obeying his commandments. And one of his commandments that Jesus said was the greatest commandment of is to love God and to love your neighbor. And he told his disciples before he went to the cross, he said, you must love one another. And by loving one another, people will know you're my disciples. How are you doing at loving others? No matter what happens to you in this life, no, you are secure in Christ and will rest with him when he returns. Let's live out our faith in patient endurance because God is with us and faithful to keep his word. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Love you guys. Then we're going to enter a moment of communion. And spread around the room is a baggie of uh, bread and some juice. So, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As we take the bread and the juice, let's remember why we fell in love with Jesus. We fell in love with Jesus because he loved us enough to give his life for us on the cross. And that's why we celebrate communion each morning to be reminded of, to remind, be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us. So Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Then he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. Let's drink together. Hi, do you pray with me?
Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you for this reminder, this example of your son's great sacrifice for us. Dying on the cross for our sins, Lord, that we might be reconciled with you and live with you and be with you and represent you in this world, this life that we live. We ask that your presence would continue to be with us daily to encourage us, to empower us, to, to direct us and lead us and to remind us of your, your truths. And we pray as we, as we continue to sing to you, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts to lift our spirits, Lord, to fill us with your spirit that we might go into a new week, Lord, being your missionaries in our homes, in our jobs, in our communities, or wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.